Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Podrig, recording in Vancouver. And I'm Oshin, recording in Ljubljana, in Slovenia. You nice and warm there? I'm pretty cosy, pretty cosy. I mean, <laughs> luckily it's evening now, so the day is starting to cool down a bit. But still, I decided to not put the blanket over my head this time, just because um, I, I, need to, I need to survive this podcast. And I, I'm not sure if I would if I had a full blanket around me. <laughs> Yeah, it's been warm here too, but I am mercifully in a basement where it is not too hot. What is the temperature there? In Fahrenheit? <laughs> I I don't actually know in Fahrenheit, but I mean, during the day it gets up to about 33 degrees Celsius. I think that's about 9,000 Fahrenheit, pretty sure. It's like, it's a, definitely at least 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Maybe cool. as much as 9,000 for sure. <laughs> but anyhow, what what's going on down in that basement? <laughs> uh, in my basement this week, Oshin, I got a CarPlay thing. A CarPlay thing? Yeah. So we've had CarPlay support in Castro for more than a year maybe two years. And so far, we've just been winging it with the simulator and occasionally sitting in friends' cars, testing things out. I'm uh, kind of surprised the, how long we lasted. I mean, yeah, we, we put off getting a CarPlay unit for a very long time. Yeah, but I finally got one. And it's like, I want it on my desk so that I can debug with it. I don't want it in a car. So I have to had to figure out how to like get power to it. I figured it out and I had to buy like a bench power supply. And the one I found on Amazon was uh, called an innovative regulated DC power supply by Shenzhen Sky Top Power. And top I'm, power? Yeah, like super top power, I think. Is yeah, what they made. I mean, that's reason enough to have bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so got that all hooked up. Greg Spears, he's an iOS developer in the UK. Uh, sent me an email a few months ago when I was asking him about how he set it up. And yeah, it was really helpful. Sent me some photos and explained some of the wiring and uh, yeah, helped me get over the the fear of dealing with all those little bits and pieces. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It would be nice to have in my car, actually. So maybe it'll end up there someday, but I don't think so. I saw the picture that you posted of it on Twitter and we, we can put it in the show notes as well. But when you talk about the power supply, like is that... Like the main big, the big giant box, basically. Is that all the power? Is that what the power supply is or what? Yeah, it's this white, and the, like the left of the photo, there's this white uh, power supply thing. Sometimes sometimes you see them and they have like those analog uh, meters that like move up and down. This one has hmm. a digital reading. So you can adjust what the voltage is and what the max amperage going through it is. When I set it up initially, I had the voltage right, but the... A uh, dial for amps was turned all the way down. So as soon as I connected my phone, my phone started trying to charge and sucked all the power out. So the thing kept turning off every time. Like I'd connect my phone, the thing would turn off. Then my phone would realize that it shouldn't be trying to charge anymore and stop. And then the thing would turn back on. And then the same cycle would just repeat until I realized that I needed to turn that dial up. But it's all good now. It's great that you have that now because, I mean, there's been like a few different bugs that like are impossible to uh, reproduce essentially just in the simulator on the Mac. So have you had a chance yet to kind of try to reproduce any of those things? Or, um, Yeah, I mean, there are some bugs that where people describe them as like they connect their phone first and then they turn the ignition and then something happens. And you can't really do that with the simulator because... Yeah, there's no concept of the ignition in the simulator. So you don't get to see the like boot up time or anything like that. 
and but on this i can just like connect a switch to the the two wires and i can simulate like what the ignition switch would be like do you make like car noises and things like that at the same time while you uh, yeah yeah and i i sing some <laughs> of my favorite car songs while i do it too <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm those are. I'm just picturing you now, like for the next like couple of days, you're going to be just in your basement, maybe some sort of a fake steering wheel in front of you, just like driving down the road in your mind as you try to reproduce lots of... Yeah, I've got to get inside the, the mind of the bug and like, <laughs> really experience it. <laughs> um, I've been able to recreate some of the bugs, so I'll be able to fix those. And then there's a feature in CarPlay where you can have uh, different tabs which we used to have initially uh, when the Castro CarPlay support came out. But there was a bug we were hitting where Castro could end up just being, or the screen could just end up completely blank, depending on some order of how you started the car and the phone that we never figured out. But we did figure out that if you stopped using the tabbed interface, the bug went away. So that's been gone for ages, mainly because we couldn't fix the bug before. And now I should be able to try and bring it back. And hopefully, if that bug still exists, even be able to track it down properly. So, yeah, I'm excited to do that. If you're listening to this and have any CarPlay bugs, uh, now would be the time while it's all set up on my desk before I put it away. <laughs> yeah, that's an example of a bug that like is re- I'm very excited about us getting to the bottom of because it's not just that there's an awkward behavior or a, like that we then work around, but it gets us back to like the optimal design as well. There's not many times in the life of Castro where like a bug has led us to like have to completely change the visual design of any part of the app. Um, mm. That is probably nearly the only one I can think of right now anyhow. So yeah, it'll be nice to get back to that tab layout if possible. So another fun thing that happened is a user on Twitter described uh Castro's multiple drag and drop feature from last year as a really weird non-standard interface. Uh, <laughs> this is the iOS 11 drag and drop interface basically. We've Yeah. I mean you you polished some of the the animations and rounded some corners and stuff, but it's like it's the standard iOS 11 drag and drop. The exact behavior that he's referencing is like how you would pick up multiple items in in a drag session to then take them somewhere else and drop them. So the way that you do that is the way that you start a single drag is to like tap and hold and then move your finger. And now you've got one item under your finger. And from then that point forward, you can just start like tapping other elements on the screen and they get added in to the drag session, which is, yeah. So that's basically, that is not something that like we came up with. Um, I mean, there's elements of it that we tried to polish, but I mean, that is as standard, I guess, as it gets. But also, I mean, there's an argument for like, it's the thing that's not standard about it is that it hasn't really taken off. I don't think maybe in, in other parts of the system, even the parts that Apple Apple uh, design and develop themselves. It hasn't been taught, essentially. I don't mention it as a way to like make fun of this person who said this. It was just a moment where I realized, oh, wow, like drag and drop really hasn't landed for most people. Like people don't know it's there. We we jumped on it basically as soon as it was announced at WWDC and got a good implementation in iOS 11 and the, some of the responses and coverage we got were some of the like most complimentary things that we've ever had or had said about Castro. Um, so I was really happy with it, but it definitely hasn't caught on generally in iOS and particularly on the iPhone. It's rare to see it. 
Um, I still think it's really great. And like it, the you wrote a really good blog post with a bunch of videos uh, demonstrating how we use it versus the system one and offering some tips and pros and cons, which we'll link in the show notes. But yeah, I still think it's a really great feature and it enables powerful manipulation of data. You can pick up like 17 random things in a list, move them somewhere else in the app. And before that had mean having this whole separate selection batch edit mode where you like tap a button on the top and that changes what the view controller does. Then you tap each one and then there has to be a menu somewhere that would list all the potential locations that you could then move those items to. So like just picking the thing up and moving it where you want to put it is way better. So it's it's kind of disappointing that it hasn't caught on more. I'd like to see it in more places. I mean, on the iPad, you can drag between apps, which I guess opens up a lot more potential for it. But it's still really useful in iOS, I think. Or sorry. Yeah, on the iPhone. <laughs> in, on iPhone, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I remember working on that last summer. And I mean, we went like so deep on it. And I just remember even like, I mean, we ran up against like issues with it at the time. And worked around them. I remember when we wrote that blog post, kind of part of the thing that we were talking about then was like, okay, this is the early days of drag and drop and we still need to like figure out some of the conventions and like let's all like get together and figure out what are like gonna be the best ways to deal with these things. Um there was rough edges on some of Apple's stuff that I figured, okay, it's the first version, like this is all going to evolve over time. It's all going to get better. But yeah, it kind of didn't really change. It hasn't really changed much since then. And I mean, it's not like iOS 12 then came along and was announced and it was like, oh, we've improved drag and drop in all these kind of different ways. Um, any of the issues that were with it there in the early days that we were trying to find ways to work around essentially still exist. Yeah, part of the problem, I think, is that Apple hasn't backed it really strongly in their, in in its apps kind of wonder if they're in a bit of a corner because there's like a huge installed base of users who have a clear idea of how they think iOS works and changing any of that significantly would be a big upheaval. Still a lot of apps, there's like the top right of the uh, navigation bar has a select button that you press and that changes changes the rest of the screen into a select mode where you can select multiple things. But if they wanted to double down on drag and drop, they could not have that, and multiple drag and drop is the only way to do it. But then people who knew how to do the old thing would have to learn the new thing, and yeah, that would be a big commitment, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess like as iOS has like evolved over the years and gotten like more and more complicated, there's been like gestures that have have, to, have had to have been taught, and I mean, I think some of them have stuck, and but more and more of them that get added, I'm not sure like. Is it really possible to get those to like uh, sink into the, the like the everybody's consciousness as they're using the thing? Like, how many invisible gestures can can you keep in your mind as like, okay, this is the things that I'm going to do to interact with with this app or this operating system? I mean, obviously at the start you got like pinch to zoom and stuff like, which just feels very natural. And then like later on you've got more stuff like swiping up to get to control center or now swiping down to get to control center from the top right if you're on an iPhone 10 yeah etc like all these like different things it's like or even 3D touch for example as well i mean like that was a thing that i remember like when that first was announced and kind of just getting like very excited about it and thinking 
just like this could like definitely change the way that we interact with apps in different ways and it's going to open up lots of different stuff and even that i don't think really feels like that's really taken off as like a very primary way that you operate with the uh with the phone i mean other than when you want to play a live photo or something like that we actually added support for it in castro one and it was kind of cool there but we didn't add it to castro two it's not in castro three and yeah, my day-to-day usage of it is just like uh, playing live photos. And so I'm not sure that if there was any other way to play a live photo other than just like tapping lightly and holding, which is a bit more annoying. I think I might just press happily press a play button instead. So yeah, it's kind of too bad because it is an interesting gesture. And yeah, it feels like a lot of recent interface features, uh, once they're added on after the initial development of the operating system, you can never rely on them to be the only way to do something. They can only be shortcuts, and then that's just inherently limited. The touch bar is like that too on those new Mac Pros, because like there are lots of Macs for sale that don't have a touch bar. You can't write an app that depends on the touch bar for something. So it can only ever be some kind of shortcuts thing. So it's it's got a really low ceiling of like how good it could ever be, I think. Yeah, I think like the reason why this like kind of came up in our minds now and even like why like why we're talking about drag and drop from last year is even it just kind of reminded us of some of the stuff we've been talking about lately in terms of how we're going to plan out this summer or how we generally would plan like want to like plan out our our product roadmap and what we want to be working on. I was here in Slovenia last summer as well. I was here living in this same apartment as well and Essentially, I spent, I think, most of that summer working on drag and drop, whereas then because that was what Apple had announced at WWDC and we decided it was going to be important to be on board with that and to like be there with drag and drop on day one of when iOS 11 launched. Um, whereas this summer, we've kind of decided for a variety of reasons to not necessarily just like dedicate our entire summer to like just following up and just implementing exactly what anything new that was announced in iOS 12. And I mean, there are some new things in iOS 12 that make sense for podcast apps. Um, and we're not going to ignore it entirely. And like over time, the things that like really are important there, I think we will like focus on. So, I mean, with these two different, like, approaches, I guess, that we've taken over the last couple of summers, I mean, like, how, like, how good of an idea do you think it is, more generally speaking, I guess we can move it away from, like, just being specific to Castro's case, but, like, how good of an idea do you think it is to uh, always focus your attention on, say, Apple's product roadmap and how that integrates with, with your own product? If it's a brand new API, you're going to be one of the first people using it outside Apple which means you're going to be the one to have to write all the radars and discover the edge cases and figure out the workarounds. And that can be kind of cool and fun to do in a way because you're solving new problems. You're not just like copying and pasting from Stack Overflow. But yeah, it's a risk and it means that it'll take you longer to develop it than it'll take someone else a few months later when all these things are figured out. Being first with like a good implementation of these features can be a great way to end up getting featured by Apple and the App Store or like Mac and iOS blogs will be excited about about this because as people install the new iOS they'll they'll be excited to experience what the new features are and if their apps all support them then that's that's going to get you more attention but at the same time 
this is an obvious strategy and a million apps are all going to be trying to do it at the same time. So it's not like you'll be the only one most of the time, at least. I do think there's a distinction between like, oh, Apple added drag and drop. So Castro, a podcast app, should jump on it and implement it. That that's like not a clear a clear connection. I'm glad we did. And I think we I'm really proud of how it all works and everything. But it's not like, oh, every podcast app has to do this. Where some of the features this year were like, oh, you can have a volume control in the watch app. That's pretty clearly something that a podcast app that has a watch app should implement. Yeah, and then there's bigger things like watch playback too that are also probably seem obvious. So yeah, this year I think there's like Siri features. There's the Siri intense stuff where maybe there's some cool stuff a podcast app could do. Um, or maybe it would be a big commitment of time for a feature that people end up calling non-standard a year later. <laughs> the alternative is you set your own roadmap and you think about what's important to your users and to your app. And that when Apple does stuff that's relevant, you pull that in, but you don't just like watch what they're doing and try to follow along. And I'm I'm really glad that we're breaking away from that because it has felt like too much, uh, yeah, too much um, just following other people's roadmaps, implementing competitors' features, that kind of stuff. I'm not sure like how broad like of a piece of advice this is rather than like just like you'd need to like definitely analyze your own situation where you're where you are and like when things are happening like for us i think if we had decided to like just spend this summer just only working on the stuff that was announced at wwdc um i think it would have ended up being pretty bad for morale and like like whatever about like the benefits of our would are of like okay you're there on on day one of like a new os launch and maybe you'll get featured um i think overall like as a as a company as as the two of us who like are like trying, working together on this stuff i just think it would like it would have ended up being like quite a much more like negative situation for example like so i mean we will get into it now but like uh so like we launched castro 3.1 yesterday uh with uh, like a couple of our like our own features and this feels like a much more like positive use of our time and a, like much more positive impact than like if like we just had a bunch of like the standard expected um, iOS 12 stuff in a few weeks or in a month or whenever exactly iOS 12 comes out. It's definitely nice to be releasing this um, in August as well, where there there aren't a lot of other app announcements going on. I feel like we got a bit more coverage because of that in part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, on iOS 12 launch day, I mean, the coverage will all be about iOS 12. And yeah, you can get mentioned in an article or something like that. But I think like, yeah, to get like a review of the new update kind of when it's not like a very busy time, uh, mm -hmm. like focuses attention on, on Castro a bit. So we, we talked about side loading in the last episode, so we don't need to go back over it, I don't think. But we didn't talk about chapter preselection. And I think that's been something you worked on. And as I've said before, a lot of the podcasts I listen to don't even have chapters. So I find it hard to like way up what impact a new chapter feature will have but i really thought this was just going to be something that like current users thought oh yeah that's kind of nice or like i like having that but that people who didn't use castro wouldn't care about it but i was totally wrong like a lot of the reviews are like yeah 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 side loading that's cool um <laughs> but like chapter pre-selection that's actually new like no one has that that's like a brand new idea it works really well um so yeah i was really surprised by how 
how much that took off. But you, you and your heart, of course, knew that it was going to be a big thing. Oh, I knew, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know it was going to be a big thing. But it's funny. It's like I knew I have wanted this for a long time. I just hadn't. I mean, I guess it comes down to as well what we talked about, like how we picked our priorities and stuff before. Like even when we started planning Castro Tree, I remember being like, okay, if we're going to do chapters, like let's not just have chapters that are chapters the same way that they are in other apps. Like let's think about other ways that chapters could be used. And like, let's not just have, okay, now Castro has chapters. Also Castro has chapters, but it also has like this new thing that you couldn't, didn't used to be able to do in other apps that have chapters. Mm. But in terms of then how we were like making our priorities and focusing our attention. Um, I remember we decided expli- more explicitly to be like, okay, look, Castro Tree is going to be more about, okay, like let's just make sure that we have as many of these things in it as as possible. And then we can come back later and be like, okay, let's like add a little bit extra, a little bit more flair to it. And that's why I was like really excited to come back to this chapter thing because it is something that was in my mind the whole time. And it's not something that took a huge amount, a lot of work to do. Um, I guess in theory, like if it does end up being something that lo- lots of people want, maybe it'll end up being in in other apps too. It's not like it's, it was not like a very complicated amount of, of code to write, but it was something that kind of, I knew that would like sit well with like the way that I listen to podcasts because I do listen to like a few podcasts with with chapters in them um, and some of them where like there's like I'm not always interested in like every topic that they're talking about Um so points in the past like I would like look at a list of chapters and and then I'd be like okay I know that like later on once it gets to like this section later um, I'm not going to want to listen to that part but I'd have to I'd just that would just stay in my head and then I'd get to it later on and then I'd take the phone out of pocket, skip, do whatever. I mean, a small enough thing, but just one that I remember thinking like, oh, that would just give me a sense of satisfaction to like work on this feature, get it out there, improve my listening experience a bit. And like, I guess just hopefully like help, like kind of create the story that like, okay, the guys who make Castro, they care about these features and like they've like, they think about them and they like they figure out like what's a little extra that you can bring to like to stuff that's kind of been more or less the same in in apps for years but so just to explain how it works in a when you're playing an episode that has chapters in it you tap on the title in the player bar and that opens up the chapter interface and then you can toggle off any chapters that you don't want um so it's it's really simple i don't know as you said it's been Pretty interesting because there's a bunch of like pretty long tech podcasts that I don't normally listen to, but I've kind of came back to a little bit with this because I could open it up, see what they're going to talk about and play the like play the sections that I actually want. So as a way to like make a three hour podcast, not thinking of anyone in particular here, um, a bit more palatable or like be able to like listen to the parts you care about in 30 or 40 minutes. I think it's yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I think it was Jason Snell uh, responded to the email when we let him know about the feature, um, mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't really occurred to me exactly this angle on it, but that it kind of fit with the triage angle on Castro, of Castro, essentially, where it's like, 
yeah, we've always been like, okay, look, you're going to subscribe to a show. You, that doesn't necessarily mean you want to listen to every single episode of the show. We're going to like give you some tools to make it easier to listen to the episodes that are important to you. And now this is like just like a slightly another extension of that essentially where, okay, just because you want to listen to an episode of a show doesn't mean you definitely want to listen to every single chapter of it. And so chapter skipping or jumping to a particular point in an episode was always something that you could do since we had chapters and that you can do in any app that supports chapters. But just to make it slightly easier to like have like picked out exactly what you want to listen to. And yeah, it's I mean, it's surprising how the difference that it makes, even just like psychologically, it just feels nice to like look down the list of chapters, toggle off a few that you're not interested in and then be like, OK, that's it. That's done now. I'm kind of like just listen to the rest of this. And yeah, it's fun. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So I guess we'll keep going, implementing our own new features. Got a few more, a few more ideas kicking around that we'll we'll get out soon. I think I would like to just also just point out before like we move on to the next topic and stuff is that there are features in iOS 12 that are important and that we think can help Castro and that we, uh, we will like work on and we will like get them worked into the app. Not 100% sure exactly when. I mean, there's some stuff that I won't pre-announce, but there is some stuff that we'll do sooner, like maybe even in time for the launch. But I think just a big part of it is to that like we don't want to like have that have been the only thing we did for the summer essentially um that we want to be bringing new stuff to the table and that we want to like make sure that the stuff that we do spend time doing for ios 12 is stuff that like has some legs and isn't something that we end up having committed a disproportional amount of time to as compared to its value i guess mm -hmm. let's see what else happened this week Feels like a lot happened. Well, one big thing that happened, I think, was when Panoply announced their new ad targeting uh, platform for podcasts, um, kind of in a Facebook-esque kind of a way where it, they were going to be able to target ads in podcasts to like very specific niches and very specific audiences. So that did the rounds a bit and really kind of got me scratching my head in terms of we're just wondering how on earth are they proposing to deliver on some of these promises that are that they're making because we watched the video which will be in the show notes i mean it just comes off very like okay you're familiar with the idea of facebook ads and like now we're going to be able to let you put ads in podcasts that are as targeted as that type of a of scenario right that you can choose locations and interests and demographics and all these different things to target yeah. your ads at so that like yeah. women who are 36 and live in ohio and are interested in something are going to hear these ads more yes and they're also then going to be very very happy when they when they hear the ad because oh, yeah. there's like, like <laughs> <laughs> there's a little graphic of a, a guy who's listening to a podcast presumably and he receives a targeted ad that's relevant that to his interests. So good. And he's like very happy with himself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got it's really tone deaf. It's got that inane marketer idea that they're that like people are just dying to hear ads about products that they want. And the only the only time people don't like ads is if the products aren't relevant to them. Hmm. So yeah, they're pretty clearly yeah, it's aimed at people who are advertising and have marketing budgets to spend, I suppose. But yeah, I've uh, so I started looking into how they could possibly do any of this because obviously Castro downloads these episodes and it scrapes their RSS feeds to get the episodes in the first place. 
So anything they'd be doing to track users who listen in Castro, we should be able to figure out, right? Because mm-hmm. we'd, we'd see it all. As far as I can see, they're not doing anything that's except getting the IP address. It is possible to set cookies on the downloads link uh, so that you could track someone across multiple downloads and across different networks. Um, cookie is basically an identifier that the server sends you then your app keeps the identifier and then each subsequent request to that server gets sent that cookie. So that way you could tell that it's the same person even if they go from Wi-Fi to 3G or to LTE. But do Panoply's uh, podcasts that they currently broadcast do that? Do they have no, those cookies? they don't even do that. Like that would be one clever thing they could do and by default, NSURL session will just track those cookies and send them back. You have to like iOS developers have to actively turn that feature off. So hmm. most apps do send them, because, and not because they intended to, but just because that's the default behavior. Mm-hmm. But there's no particular reason why why there needs to be a session there. Like you haven't logged in to your podcast feed in order to download it, so they don't need a cookie to operate or anything like that. So typically, NSURL session just wants everything to work, so that's why it handles cookies by itself. And then there aren't like 500 different cookie implementations all over the place. But in this case, you're just downloading a file, so there's no need for it. I'll put a little note in the show notes about how to disable them, because it's if any other iOS developers are listening and want to make sure they're not sending cookies. Um, I looked at most podcast apps, and I think Overcast wasn't, to his credit, but pretty much everyone else was. So I've, I've fixed Castro, so the next including update... Us. <laughs> including us. yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to like cast shade here. Um <laughs> But I'm glad that I looked into it, even just to have found that. No, it's cool that that happened. And then it started with me scratching my head, being like, how the hell does this happen? I'm glad that this Panoply stuff came out, even just for the investigative work that it ended up uh, inspiring you to do. And that uh, that even if that's not how Panoply's system is working, that I'm glad Castro is not going to be doing those cookies anymore, at least. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I could find that was slightly interesting is they send back these... Uh, so Megaphone is the name of their analytics part of their company, I think. And they send back these headers with X Megaphone payload that have some IDs and numbers in them, which sort of look like they're telling the app what uh, what ads are in it and maybe what times the ads are at. Presumably so that that data could then be sent back later on saying like, oh yeah, they listened to this ad, they didn't listen to this one. But I couldn't find any apps, and I downloaded like Stitcher and iHeartRadio and like all the big ones I could think of, and I couldn't find any apps that were sending that stuff back, at least not directly to that server. This stuff is not that hard to experiment with. There's an iOS app now called Charles Proxy. Uh, Charles has been an app on the Mac forever, and you were able to proxy iOS traffic through your Mac and then track it, but now it's an iOS app, so it's much easier. So... If you set that up, you can watch like what you can watch all the data going back and forth between your phone and other people's servers, uh, and you can tell you can investigate a lot of this stuff for yourself. But yeah, so I can't, I really can't see anything that they're doing that will give them the kind of information that would allow them to dynamically target people like this. And even if they're associating it with other data that they have, it's yeah. I don't know. There's, it boils down to either you can use IP addresses for way more stuff than I ever imagined you could, or they're doing something that I haven't been able to detect here, or, and this is where I'm most 
and this is where I'm leaning, they're just lying. <laughs> like it's just marketing <laughs> bullshit. Do you have a partnership with Nielsen or something, do they? Or what's Nielsen's relationship with this whole thing? Uh, as far as I know, they, they've defined a, like a bunch of different segments. And it's all just like marketing groupings of people. And I maybe they're like standard segments that are understood across the industry. So if, if you're able to say, oh, my podcast has like 25 of segment A and 2,000 of segment B, then particular ads can be targeted to your podcast, I suppose. I'm not 100% sure. I think I, I might be just, that might not be very accurate. <laughs> Is this the same company that does like the Nielsen TV stuff in the US as well and they've expanded into podcasts and I just never I linked them? I think so, yeah. Those annual reports they do, like the source for a lot of them is they get people to just keep audio diaries of what they like what they listened to each day and then they mm -hmm. add those up. And yeah, I don't know. I get very hung up on the accuracy of these things and I'm not sure that anyone really cares so much as long as it's like sort of more or less right. Mm. Like if, if the trends are right, then they're happy enough. So I don't know. Like you see it with all analytics when you start when you start digging into what does this actually mean? Like, oh, I had 5,000 downloads. Well, how many of those were from the same IP address? 4,000. <laughs> Four, it's all just one person re-downloading it or like it's your app failed to download it and then had to retry or you changed network halfway through so it had to continue from there. Yeah, as soon as you actually start looking into any of that stuff, you can get very suspicious of any of that data. But I guess the assumption is that like, in the aggregate, it's sort of right enough to make decisions on. Yeah, I mean, it, that kind of leads into this, like, this changelog.com, that open letter to all podcast apps, except Overcast, asking everybody to report their subscriber counts. And when they, so when they send a request, say, to, uh, to an RSS feed, there's a way that you can report the subscriber count so that you say, like, okay, I'm asking for this RSS feed, and by the way, uh, 5,000 users of my app are subscribed to your podcast. And so this was an open letter published to like a uh, request that like all podcast uh, app makers would start to send the, this data um, along with their requests to the RSS feeds. The thing is like, I mean, you, you, I mean, you're more familiar with it, but I mean, even I know from, even though I'm not very, like, very up to date with like tentacles and like how exactly all our, all that stuff works. I'm very much aware of like how inaccurate, like if we were to just say, okay, yeah, does this many user accounts have ever subscribed to your podcast feed? And we just reported that. We gross exaggeration essentially of like what that subscriber number actually is in terms of actual humans who are, as opposed to raccoons. <laughs> Getting kind of meta here. Um, yeah, actual humans who are like subscribed and like monitoring and like seeing these episodes that you're publishing. Yeah, because when you install Castro, there's no, you don't set up a user account. There's just an anonymous account set up for you. Even if you restore a backup um, using our iCloud backup feature, that still creates a brand new account. So Every time, if you delete Castro and reinstall it and restore a backup, now all of your podcasts have two subscribers because there's a, or like, they you've added two subscribers to that because that other account still exists on our system. We don't really want to delete it because we don't, 
we don't always know for sure that it's truly gone and that you'll never want it again. So that's all still there. So every download and reinstall is an extra, yeah, is an extra user. Then, but a much bigger thing is like somebody who's using our app, who's subscribed to the podcast, then deletes the app. We never get told that the app was deleted. The they just stop checking the account, right? So we still have that subscriber count. So that's another way it can be wrong. Just getting into the detail of how useful these numbers could be on the like for the the people receiving them. Like people have multiple apps installed. Like I did a this now. Okay, you can laugh at me for using this was a very in, scientific <laughs> research that you did, right? Yeah. So I did some perfectly <laughs> scientific research by doing a Twitter poll. Um, just yesterday of my followers who are of course going to be much heavier towards uh, having podcast apps than average but well but I mean that does actually make them pretty representative of the market that we're talking about here yeah anyone who's got anyone who's got any third party app um, I think falls into this group basically anyway so I did the poll and about 12% had just Apple podcasts and then of the rest it was somewhere between two and five, basically. I'll I'll paste the the links to the actual poll so you can see the details. So yeah, twelve percent had Apple, just Apple Podcasts, so they had no third party apps. And then once you got into third party apps, half of them only had one installed, and then the other entire half had between two and five. So that's if they're all being reported and then added up, then you could think you have ten thousand subscribers when you have like four thousand because the sets are not exclusive from each other. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the problem of like our subscriber numbers, if we reported them, uh, would be exaggerated because of reinstalls and deletes. Uh, we could probably track how often an account is accessed, so we'd know at least if the app was still installed. Like they might, they might be still using Overcast, but Castro is still on their phone. And then we could require like, oh, anyone within the last thirty days who's used the app, that's like they're an actual user. So that's the number we're going to report. And then our number will go in and ours will be, you know, all eager and sincere and accurate and earnest. And all the other numbers will be much bigger and Castor will look irrelevant, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't really because, care about. That's because but. we, oh, you do care. I mean, I don't mean about that, but I mean, what you care about is like the, the, that like these numbers have to be, we need these numbers. We would need, if we're going to report numbers like this, we want them to be as accurate as as we were, as much as we worry about like the like the pixels on the screen, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, no, there's there's that sense of like, well, if we're gonna do something in Castro on any of it, like whether it's like the pixels on the screen for the user or like the backend stuff, I I just don't want to be spitting out bullshit data that's gonna give the illusion of meaningfulness, but really, it it's not, and it's not mm. even like you could compare one podcast to another like that they'll both be wrong in an equal way because one that's more popular is going to have more of that error so like from reinstalls so like if uh say we have a million listeners to the super top podcast and then they all get one reinstall now it's two million versus much less popular podcast is not going to have as many reinstalls skewing the data so it's not even like they're wrong in a continuous way that you could still get some value out of it Maybe the number has some enough signal in it that it's worth all this noise, and maybe we should just give people the numbers we can and let them make their own mistakes. But 
I also feel like there's tons of tons of hype and venture capital in this industry at the moment, and they all want to, to see tons of growth. And sometimes I wonder if like the whole thing is predicated on like just tons of faulty data get going into people's models in Excel and then getting multiplied by more faulty data and somehow ending like way, way, way off. That like like podcasting is a real thing and I think it's growing, but like beyond that, I like I couldn't say if it's growing at like one percent a year or twenty five percent a year. Um and it wouldn't shock me if like the the higher estimates were just completely off because they're based on nothing. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really want to contribute to that hype as well, is another issue. Mm. Yeah. Kind of brings us to that point of like how much data are users and podcast apps obliged to give podcasters? You can take the extreme position that like they shouldn't even get the download IP address. We could make a proxy uh, that users download their download their episodes through so that the podcaster wouldn't get the IP address. We could even cache the episode for a while so that they, they wouldn't even know the number of downloads that happened. Uh, we could completely insulate our users from the content itself. But like... It is free content that's being paid for by ads. So, mm. like, I don't know if that extreme position makes any sense. And then when you start to move more into the middle, it gets it gets hazy, and pretty soon you you hit a wall of people who are just shouting at you about tracking their behavior and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea of, like, obscuring download numbers altogether just feels like a step too far. Um, just in terms of, I mean, the advertising model in podcast is like, like for better or worse, and in terms of like accurate data and what exactly it means. But like, I mean, nowadays it's based like largely off download numbers. Um, so the idea that like we would like step in the middle and then like obscure downloads to people, I mean, I mean, I think it's just it's hard to imagine like that being like you know, having an overall positive effect, even though. There's things about that proxy idea that I think do ring true to me. And I do think like, I mean, this is like very inefficient, but I do think like maybe there is an angle there. If people really, really, really value their privacy, maybe there's an angle there where we can be like, we're going to proxy downloads. Uh, like you're not e exposing your, your phone directly to like any other network other than ours to like to do the download. But like, some part of me feels like even if we ever decided to do something like that, um, just for the sanctity of the download numbers that like we should still like re-download it from the server every time, which I mean, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's really a kind of a maze trying to like think about this stuff. Cause it's like, imagine if like every time that, a that an app like asked for like new episodes of a, of a, of a podcast, we like went back to the server and like pulled their RSS feed again every time for that. Yeah. It's all a bit of a, a bit of a maze. The status quo where they do get the IP addresses and some kind of download numbers that I think they can get a good enough idea of how many downloads they have. It's not perfect, but it seems to be well, we've got this far with it, right? Like podcasts are respectable things that have uh, lots of money paid for ads in them and seem to get good results. Like that much seems to be true. And that's without any crazy extra analytics or targeting stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe the status quo was fine. Yeah, there was a lot of, I mean, I remember like the demand for analytics, which I guess is still ongoing. But I mean, so when Apple released their analytics, was it last year? 
Like, I feel like what that has done is essentially, like, kind of just reinforced the idea, at least, or, like, given some security to the idea that, hey, look, you don't have to worry that much. People aren't skipping ads. Like, for mostly, yeah, a few people are going skipping ads in your podcast, but there's not, like, this fear that, like, okay, yeah, people are downloading episodes, but are they even playing them or are they even getting to the end or are they even listening to the ads? Um mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, maybe enough to kind of, like, reinforce the idea that, like, okay, yeah, like, it was actually is fine. The, this idea of, like, that this thing has been b- built upon um, is actually fine. Don't worry. It's not all going to, like, it's not all going to cave in. I'm not sure how much more data really we should be, anybody should be expected to expose than that. Yeah. There is some kind of balance there. But, yeah, we're not too far off it, I don't think. We should uh, probably start wrapping this up. I feel like it's been a longer one than than usual. Okay, I better get back to fixing CarPlay bugs, I suppose. Okay, and I better get back to uh, trying to stay cool. And I don't even mean cool in a cool way. I just mean cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, there probably won't be an episode next. Since we're on our two-week schedule, let's immediately break it because I'm going to be in Ireland. Well, we did we did three in a row, so I mean that's pretty. That's it was a good run. It was a good run. Yeah. So I think we'll probably be back in September, but but who knows? Maybe we'll maybe I'll bring my mic and we'll have time. Okay, so we'll chat to you guys soon. Thanks for listening, all, right. all the way to the end. <laughs> Bye. Bye.